You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning to everyone. It's great to be uh, with you today on this uh, beautiful uh, December uh, morning as we uh, prepare our hearts. We've got a couple of weeks to go till uh, Christmas. I was just reminding my mother that uh, yesterday and I think she's looking forward to it as well. Um, I've been overseas recently, as, uh, as was mentioned. Yes, I did go to Myanmar, formerly called uh, Burma. I uh, met up with a couple of our uh, global partners, David and Sasi Sangdong, uh, there. I spent uh, about 10 days or so with them, uh, doing mostly Christian work uh, with the Christian community there, churches, uh, Bible colleges, and, uh, and David's involved in doing a lot of uh, Christian teaching there. Uh, with uh, healing, trauma healing uh, seminars that, uh, that they have there, as well as uh, Bible translation uh, as well. So it was great spending that time with them and just being able to uh, encourage and uh, support them in the work that they are doing there. They are under great pressure as well. Um, there's a lot happening in the country, with the military in particular, and so often uh, roads get closed off uh, and... Uh, uh, while we were there, there was almost no internet. It just comes on and off. Uh, you never know when that's going to happen. So do continue to pray for our many uh, brothers and sisters in uh, Myanmar. <clears throat> well, today, after nine sermons, we uh, come to this um, end of this series of Paul's uh, wonderful letter to the Ephesian church. This letter, which tells us all about Grace, grace that changes everything. And this letter that uh, Paul tells us, um, he tells us right at the end here, you know, that actually we're, we're in a war here. We've got to wrestle with, uh, with sin in our lives as Christians. And so he gives us this uh, very practical way of dealing with that. He tells us to stand firm in the grace Uh, that God has given you. So let us pray. Our Father, help us this morning. Um, We need you, Lord, to teach us, uh, to teach us at this moment from your word. Uh, We know that your word is truth, and we know that Jesus is truth too. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was uh, very encouraged with my time with uh, David and Sasi as they uh, minister the gospel in uh, Myanmar. Do you know how I happened to get to Myanmar? Actually, you know, it was just a total accident. I don't know why. I was just at home, not doing anything much really at all. And this taxi shows up at my place. Next thing I find, I'm at the airport on a plane to Myanmar. Would you believe that? And then when I land... David happens to be there. He's just come back from this conference. And so he says, hey, come with me and uh, you know, we'll go and do a bit of work with the gospel. And that, that's how I ended up being there for over a week. I mean, does that ever happen to you? Just by you know, total accident, you get involved in uh, doing some ministry in a, a far-off place. that ever happened to you? No? No? It's never happened to me either, actually. You see, my trip to Myanmar was no accident. It was intentional. 
It required a lot of planning, a lot of preparation, and a lot of hard work. Otherwise, the ministry that I was able to do there would never have happened. It would never have been effective at all. And um, this uh, letter to the Ephesians, it tells us here that we are in Christ. Uh, but we are to walk you know, with Jesus every single day. And to do that, that's an intentional decision that we make. We don't just you know, live a godly life by accident. It happens on purpose. Well, before we begin, I want to uh, go over uh, the letter. Now, let's just go back a little bit on this book of Ephesians. Uh, the first three chapters, when we looked at them, Paul tells us all about God's purpose. He tells us here that uh, before uh, we were even created, uh, through, that, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, we would become one humanity, one community, united together under Jesus Christ. And uh, that God's kingdom, you know, it would be um, uh, very different from the world around us, you know. Your life should actually look a lot different from the world around you, shouldn't it? You see, because God's kingdom... God's kingdom will include, you know, it'll include Jews and Gentiles united together. There won't be any, you know, problems with, with discrimination, with racism, with, with uh, um, uh, just uh, people just clashing together because of um, class distinctions. Nothing to divide us at all. We are uh, sealed, we are seated with Christ together. Because we identify with him. One family, one people under God. And then Paul says, he goes on in uh, chapter 4, to say that based on all of this, you are to live a life that is worthy of your calling as a Christian. Worthy of your, you know, your position uh, that you have in Christ. God's reconciled community, living together, living as God intended us to live. Put away your past life, he tells us. Put away all your unclean practices. You know, all your bad behaviour, maybe some of those addictions uh, that you have, all those bad intentions that come from our mind. It says, live a life of righteousness. Live a life of holiness. Live, you know, just live a godly life. The kind of life that a person who's been changed by Jesus would live. Jesus who saved us by God's grace. And then uh, we get on to today's section, this final section here. And Paul brings us down to earth here. He says, hey, actually, you know, there's going to be opposition to living this Christian life. It isn't going to be a cakewalk. Actually, there's going to be a lot of opposition. The devil. Paul introduces him here. Actually, he mentioned him a few times earlier in the letter in uh, chapter 2, verse 2, and chapter 4, verse 27. But he doesn't actually explain who the devil is because everybody 
understood what he meant. See, the devil opposes God's people. This unseen uh, spiritual forces uh, want to stop us from living uh, this new life in Christ. You know, how seriously do you take your Christian walk? Paul, believe me, here, he takes it real seriously. Because he says, hey man, you're in a battle, you're in a war. And the battle, it's not against your neighbour, it's not against other religions or political parties. This battle is against the devil and all of his evil spiritual forces in the world. And you know what the front line of that battle is? It's you, living, just living your ordinary, everyday Christian life. Your everyday Christian conduct. Your everyday Christian thinking. Your mind, that's where it all starts, isn't it? You know, and as we do this, as we, we live our life as Christians, and we do that really well, you know, our life becomes a display cabinet of Christ's victory on the cross over the devil, over sin. But, you know, the more we stand up for Jesus in our own lives, the more conflict from evil you are going to get. You know, if you're not in conflict with evil in your life, then you are not in the battle, are you? So, from this passage, uh, we're going to look at how we are to overcome evil in our lives. How we're going to stand firm in God's grace. And uh, we're going to do that by looking at three particular areas. First of all, the armour that God has given us, uh, verses 10 to 17. Secondly, the power of prayer, verses 18 to 20. And then finally, Paul's final word, verses 21 to 24. So first of all, let's uh, begin here. Paul tells us that we are to stand firm in the Lord by putting on the whole armour of God, which Jesus won for us at the cross. See, it's not, of course, this physical armour that he is really, that's important here. Uh, the physical armour is, is just a, a, an identification of, uh, of the uh, spiritual armour, the spiritual power that he is referring to. That is the truth of the gospel. So, let's look at this spiritual armour. First of all, he begins with, fasten on the belt of truth. See, that's the truth of the gospel. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the truth. The Bible tells us that the word of God is truth. And God is very much the source of all truth. Without Christ, there is no truth. Without God's word, without God actually. You know, God is really the standard of truth in the world. Without him... We have no standard of truth at all. We can't even measure truth without God. And, you know, contrast that in uh, John chapter 8 and verse 30, uh, 44, which tells us that the devil, in contrast, is a liar and the father of lies. 
we see this great difference, don't we, between God and the devil, good and evil. Stand on truth. The truth of the gospel, that's what gets rid of darkness. The truth is what drives away evil. Secondly, he tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate was the armour that protected all the vital organs uh, in the body. This is God's declaration that we are righteous before him. Not because of my own righteousness, but because of Jesus' righteousness. See, the devil will accuse you. Are you really saved? But with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness, we are totally secure in Christ. Because, you know, we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. We must always remind ourselves that we are saved by Christ's righteousness and not our own. And then it speaks of the shoes, our readiness to bring the gospel of peace uh, to the world. And these actually are long-range shoes, aren't they, that bring the gospel to the very end parts of the world. Isaiah 52 and verse 7, it tells us, How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace and salvation. Who says into Zion, your God reigns. You know, we have to know the gospel. We have to be people who, who live out the gospel in our own lives. And we must be people who tell others, you know, explain to other people what the gospel is and what it says. Because, you know... The gospel is what brings answers to a broken world. The gospel brings peace. Peace with God. You know, the peace with God is what all of us need. Peace with God is, is really the answer to, to a warring world that we see all around us. Peace with God is the only thing that's going to bring peace between different people. <clears throat> the only thing that will bring true peace, the only thing that will bring inner peace into our lives. You know, for the people of Israel, uh, for them to really be reconciled with the, with the people of Palestine, they both need to be reconciled with God. They both need to know God first. The gospel brings peace. And then fourthly, it talks about the shield of faith. And this was the long Roman shield, which covered the entire body, uh, protected a soldier from flaming arrows, which were often used in those days. So we are to take up the shield of faith. Faith in the gospel. Faith, you know, faith really is what quenches those flaming darts that get thrown at us by the devil. Those accusations, those doubts, those evil desires that come our way. Faith and trust is what really is our security blanket, isn't it? 
when we when we're under really heavy attack from the evil one. And then we look at the helmet of salvation. Now, for a soldier, the helmet was absolutely vital because if you got a blow to the head, that could kill you. And, you know, all the rest of the armour is not much good after that, is it? You see, the assurance that I have, that I am saved, that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven with Jesus. I'm safe and secure in that. That's what makes the rest of my armour, so powerful. You know, the helmet defends us against anything that the devil can throw against us. Now that's how we're to live. Knowing where my home is. Knowing my security knowing that this life is just a journey to something much, much better. And then finally, we have the sword of the Spirit. This is the only uh, offensive uh, weapon that Paul mentions here. <clears throat> it's telling us that the Bible, you know, God's written word, which is been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the way to take hold of the word of God. That we're to you know, saturate our minds with it. We're to chew over God's word. We're to ponder it and understand it and apply it to our own lives. We, we use the word of God to expose evil, to expose the devil. And that's exactly what Jesus did three times in the desert when he was attacked by the devil. He defended himself with the word of God. You see, God's word trumps everything. If God said it, that trumps everything else. Now, the, the sword in those days was very important for a soldier. And so soldiers were really well trained in how to use the sword. In the same way, we too, as Christians, we should also be well trained on how to use the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. We need to know how to handle it, to uh, attack the evil one and to defend ourselves as well. So remember, this armour that we've talked about, this is Jesus' armour. It's not my armour. It's his armour. And because it's his armour, it's impenetrable. Because Jesus is the one who won the victory over Satan at the cross. See, the gospel is what rescues us. The gospel is, um, is what saves us. And so the gospel is what also protects us in our life for the battle that we have against the evil one. And it says, you know, in this passage, it says, stand. Stand firm. And Paul says it. Four times in verses uh, 11, 13 and 14. I mean, he is really urgent here. He is urgent about this message. He is telling you, stand. Stand firm like a soldier in a battle. Hold your ground. Don't move back. Stand firm no matter what. We stand. 
You know, we stand in the truth of Jesus. We stand in the truth of the gospel, don't we? And we're, you know, we're not strong in ourselves. Our strength comes from God. And that's what uh, uh, Paul tells us here in verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But, you know, we also have to take some initiative ourselves too to be strong in the Lord. Now, for example, David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, it says there that he, he came home after this battle that he'd taken his soldiers to. But unfortunately, the Amalekites had come around and burnt down their city and taken away all the women and all the children. And his men were furious at David. They were about to stone him. And then it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then a dramatic turnaround happened by God's hand. See, to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Now, it's not a matter of letting go and letting God as if God does everything. But it doesn't mean that I grit my teeth. And, uh, you know, do it all myself, you know, with God doing a little bit. No. You know, it's a working together of God's power and, and my striving. Uh, Paul tells us this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29, for example. For this I toil, he said, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Because, you know, it takes an intentional decision, doesn't it? To wear this spiritual armour that God has provided for us, that God has given to us. And, you know, after all, you know, I could give you a Hugo Boss suit, I could give you a Dior dress. Beautiful, aren't they? But I can't make you put it on. You see, it's your choice. You must decide to put God's armour on yourself. You know, you never become godly by accident. You, come, you become godly on purpose. So why don't we choose? Why don't we choose to put on God's armour? Not just some of it, but all of it. Not just some of the time, but every single day. You know, have you ever thought that, you know, coming to church and uh, listening to the message, um, maybe you go to a life group and you study the Bible, uh, go to a prayer meeting, that, that actually by doing that, it's like you are going to the armory. And you are putting on your armour. You are uh, making sure the armour is the latest. That it's up to date. That you've got all the ammunition you need for the battle. Make sure that you have got all your armour on. Then uh, Paul uh, moves on here and he talks about the power of prayer. 
Now, you could take this to be uh, another one of the weapons uh, in God's mighty armour. But Paul actually spends uh, quite a bit of time talking about prayer here, actually a lot more than he does the other stuff. So I see it as something altogether different. So here, Paul, remember Paul here, he's changed to this Roman soldier. Paul has literally got the death sentence hanging over him. So what would a man like that, what, what's he going to say about prayer? Pray at all times. Actually, it's a common thing that Paul uh, says a number of times. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Because, you see, prayer reminds us of our need. Prayer reminds us of our dependency on God, our need for God's strength, because our strength just fails all the time. Now, let me tell you what my kinds of prayers are. Well, I pray some of the time with some amount of prayer and with some degree of of persistence for some of God's people. You know, but if you change my sum for God's all, or Paul's all here uh, from this passage, then you get something entirely different. You get a whole new dimension of prayer. I pray all of the time with all amounts of prayer and all degrees of persistence for all of God's people. Praying in the Spirit, it says here. See, Spirit-filled prayer. What is Spirit-filled prayer, actually? You know? Think about it for a moment. What does it mean? Let me give you a couple of thoughts on that. You know, Spirit-filled prayer, that's when we pray according to God's will. You know, prayer isn't based on what I want, but rather on what God wants for me. And let me tell you, that is a whole lot better. And then, you know, it's, it's prayer that's focused on other people. Paul says here, pray for all the saints. Pray for others. He's not concentrating on praying for himself. And, you know, this kind of prayer is persistent. It's not just a, a one-time, a one-off prayer. It's really a consistent, continuous communication that we have between me and God. Because, you know, that's what builds relationship when we communicate together with God continually. And lastly, fourthly, it's also prayer that depends on God. It's not just, you know, a routine thing that I do, you know, tick the box, I prayed today, that's okay. No. In prayer, we express to God, God, I need you desperately. I need you to change this messed up world. I need you to fix my messed up life and the lives of other people too. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? You see, Paul's not talking here about praying in tongues. See, 
By praying in the Spirit, we pray in such a way that we are guided by the Holy Spirit. We pray in such a way that we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit. For example, in Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 28, it says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself um, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Praying in the Spirit, you see, it means praying in the power of the Spirit by the leading of the Spirit and according to the Holy Spirit's will. Well then, we get to verse 19 and here Paul actually asks them to pray for him here. So what do you reckon a guy like this is going to ask for? I mean, uh, he's uh, obviously, he's in these chains, you know, he wants freedom from the chains, freedom from this death sentence that is hanging out over him. That's definitely what I'd be praying for if I was in his uh, position. What about you? But what does Paul ask for here? Well, actually, he does ask for freedom. But not freedom from jail. Instead, he asks for freedom to preach the gospel. And he, he wants two things in particular. He asks for uh, the right words and the boldness to say them. Imagine that. See, Paul is asking for uh, the ability to have good, clear communication when he tells people about the gospel. And he also asks that, I mean, he wants people to be able to understand when he speaks to them about the gospel. We want people to, to hear it for themselves, to understand it, so they can respond to it as well. And Paul asks for boldness, you know, for courage. The courage to speak to people about Jesus. <clears throat> you know, everybody in the world should have the opportunity to hear. Hear about Jesus. And, you know, I shouldn't get in the way of that by, by, you know, by not being bold enough and by not being clear enough in what I say to them. You know, let's pray that God will give us good, simple words and the courage, the courage to say them as well. Now we come to uh, Paul's final words here. Now, um, Paul ends this letter like he ends all of his letters. You know, he gives a bit of personal greeting and then he gives a benediction or a, a blessing on the people there. <clears throat> I've only got a couple of moments here, so I'm just going to spend a, a couple of moments speaking about grace and peace because that's actually how Paul started his letter. Peace. Peace is Jesus greatest achievement here we're now reconciled with God because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and because we're reconciled with God we can be reconciled with one another as well you see peace peace with God is what Jesus brings and grace grace is how God does it grace uh, belongs to all of those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. We, you know, we really live 
in harmony with one another, at peace, you know, in love with God, in love with one another, but only because of God's grace. Only because of God's grace freely given to you and to me, totally undeserved by us. Only God's grace, you know, could really make a dream like this, a reality like this, come true. Well, we've come to the end of this letter, the end of the book of Ephesians. And I'd like to maybe challenge you a little bit. Why don't you this week, why don't you read the whole letter again? It's not actually that long. It's only six chapters. It won't take you a long time. You know, and as you're doing that, as you reread it, you know, you'll rediscover some of the great teaching moments uh, that have come through this letter. You know, and after you spend a bit of time reflecting on it, um, why don't you commit yourself to actually putting this letter into action in your own life as well? You know, live each day knowing the gospel. Live each day living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And live each day telling other people about that great and wonderful news. Don't just uh, be like everybody else. You know, live. Live like somebody who's been changed by Jesus. Live like someone who has a new life. Let's live, you know, in God's grace. And let's live by putting God's armour on each day. Let's pray. Father God, we... We just think for a moment, uh, your words, your words to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power to put on the full armour of God so that we can take a stand, to take a stand against evil. We've all got uh, different areas of temptation, of uh, problem in our lives, Lord, areas that we struggle with. Help us at this very moment to remember your armour the gospel of salvation, the gospel of grace that won the victory over Satan for us. And we've got that through Jesus. So help us, help us right now to use each day so that we can have victory over these sins in our lives. You won it for us. So help us to live it today and each day to live out the truth of the gospel so that we can stand and stand secure and that we can grow to maturity in Jesus today and each day. We just want to thank you for uh, the security uh, that you provide through Jesus' sacrifice, through the resurrection and through God's strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.